today's episode of Blog on the Street is on the use of force and handcuffs. Um, I'm JP Barb, CEO and co-founder of Rootware, and I'm joined by the lovely Stella, um, the CMO cool. of Rootware. Cool stuff. So what are we going to be talking about today then? Talking about handcuffs. To cuff or not to cuff? To cuff or not to yeah. cuff, that's a question. Yeah. So handcuffing is one of the most common uses of force used by the police officers in the UK, right? And the most common justification given is due to self-defense or to defend others. So, what do you think, JP? Um, yeah, I, it really is. It, for me, from my previous experience, I have handcuffed a number of different people through various different stages of um, my policing career. That, that's that been th- for preventative measures. So, um, you know, we, we previously talked about stop and search. So handcuffs can be used to control a person so they don't run away, they don't... Um, pull out a weapon or discard any potential evidence um i've also handcuffed people um through arresting so again same applies you know not to run away to maintain some kind of level of control and and most importantly not to get hit in the face or someone else to get hit i.e a colleague or a member of the public so yeah personally use handcuffs There are multiple ways to handcuff suspects. You have back-to-back, rear-stacked, front-stacked, and on occasion two sets of handcuffs may be used for those of a large build. I asked JP to expand further on the differences between compliant and non-compliant handcuffing techniques. Obviously, you can either do one or two things. So the compliant element is to ask someone to do it, and you would always ask um, because, firstly, we are polite and we should have good communication skills. But if you don't, then you physically control an arm and you can kind of bend it away from them upwards um, you can do that by yourself you can do that with colleagues there are a number of different ways but my preference is definitely rear stack so you always ask not always you always you're, you're that polite that you always ask i'm polite yeah but this yeah of course you <laughs> so, do so, you do ask like you do say brawl, having a brawl in the middle of um, upper street and this person's trying to like deck you on. You're like, oh, excuse me, sir. Can I please handcuff you? Can you oh, please madam. put your arm out to the side? Stand stock still. Yeah. <laughs> Place one handcuff and check for tightness. Should always try to communicate. So asking, right. yeah, that's different. That's very different because, <laughs> yeah, as you said, if you're literally having a roll around, you can't exactly, <laughs> oh, excuse me, straighten out your tie and ask them to, to do the same to them and just... But no, you should be you should be telling them what you're doing. So it's not just for for them; it's for you. It's a bit of a memory jogger. Okay, stop resisting. Please be compliant. Um, but it's also depending on whether you've got a uniform or not. I don't wear a uniform anymore. So imagine mm-hmm. me just running up the street with a pair of handcuffs chasing someone. That may shock some people, and it probably shocks me if I see myself doing that. But they won't know I'm a police officer. So you have to instruct people as well as then letting other members of the public know, stop, I'm handcuffing you, this is what I'm doing, if you can. And what we say is, if it's practicable to do so. Obviously, you're always going to try and explain when situations are calmer, but yeah, reactionary. Like, I've missed that word. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to this court, it's rather griefy. That's it, oh, Grief- yeah, yeah griefy, weary, practicable. What does that mean? <laughs> can you just speak normal English, please, officer? Yeah, of course I can, geezer. 
fella. Well, that's, yeah. so there we go. There's the problem. People would be compliant if they could understand what you're saying. <laughs> you were just like, listen. <laughs> I pride myself on my using... communication skills, thank you. I need to give credit where credit is due. And JP is good at talking. Rather, should I say, communicating to use his words. But as interesting as that conversation is, it's time to move on to some stats. Look, look at some statistics. In 2018, the rates of assaults on officers resulting in injuries had increased by 27%. So... What's up with that? Are we hating the police even more now? Are you guys just becoming, you know, just an easy targets? Well, just because lockdown has happened or is happening, that doesn't say that that crime stops. Far from it. Crime just evolves and changes. And not all crime is committed on a computer. Okay, so when people just think it's just fraud or just e-crime or cybercrime, that's not the case. Thieves are still thieves. Robbers are still robbers. Burglars are still burglars. People that are violent will still become and stay violent. You know, people with mental health issues, for instance, for restraint purposes, they will still be there. And they will still be out on the street. So none of that really changes. And in fact, with lockdown, it's changed some people's mentalities. You know, criminals can't just do all their crime. So they are frustrated. You know, criminality is their job. They are going to have to try and get some element of their crime completed and sometimes they make more mistakes um the mental health issue which you know it, it kind of affects us all indirectly or directly with regards to the police we are still having to take care because our first building block is to preserve life you know yeah sure we've got you know detection and prevention of crime along along the lines not the building block elements but our core principles but we still have to maintain control of public and that's safety to themselves and, and preventing um, them from doing harm to others. So handcuffing is used on those instances. And again, if you kind of naturally look at different figures with mental well-being or mental ill health over the lockdown period, there's been a huge, huge increase in mental ill health for those reasons. Which again, you know, combination of crime, mental health, um, different factors. We are... Police officers are being put under more situations where it's more threatening, for instance. You know, um, police officers are different in stature, different in terms of physicality. Uh, so it's, it's a huge, huge combination of things. But don't just be fooled into thinking just because the lockdown has occurred, crime and every other problem in society stops. Far from it. But if we're going to be talking about use of force, if sure. people are struggling with mental health and we're saying, okay, maybe the, there's an increase due to that, mm -hmm. then is handcuffs the best course of action? Sometimes there's no other course of action. I recall when I was obviously, when I arrested people, I didn't always use handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you could talk to people sure. into following you. And I wanted to bring this up, as during the course of 2020, the use of handcuffs by police forces had increased by over 12%. And officers don't always have to handcuff when arresting somebody. It's more of a judgment call they make depending on the situation. And I wanted to know, officers are now defaulting to handcuffing. Are people defaulting to handcuffing in all instances? Um, it's an easy default. So you mentioned <clears throat> there's a few things there, right? You're talking about different tactical options okay so a new kit belt mm -hmm. you've got handcuffs you've got baton you've got now it's changed from cs to parva spray so it's still an incapacitant spray um mm. all of which carry some some element of risk to yourself 
to the other person, to people around you. And you have to risk assess every single situation because that's that's what it is. You know, if you're going to use handcuffs, it's a restraint, isn't it? It's a level of control. So restraining someone, restricting their freedom and also controlling their movement. That's what mm-hmm. a handcuff or set of handcuffs is supposed to do. Um, also, if they're going to run away because the natural mechanics of a human body, you know, you like to swing because it's just gravity and everything else and your body moving, it, it should slow you down. So, yeah, different elements, different things. And handcuffs is the easiest way to do all those three things. Battens, that again, that's self-defense, isn't it? You're not just going to get a baton out to tell someone to stop driving their car that quickly or stop driving so erratically. That's not what a baton's there to do. A baton is there to warn or show of force, and then potentially strike someone because they're resisting or they're they're committing some kind of violent attack on you, someone else, your colleague, or a member of the public. And parva spray, incapacitant spray, is there to stop someone at a distance. Okay, so that's the thing. When you're handcuffing someone, they're close to you. So therefore, there should be an element of control. Everything else is then a bit of a distance or last measure but handcuffs is you being close. And as a police officer, you're taking someone's freedom away. Whether or not you're searching Mm -hmm. them, whether you're arresting them, you're taking, you're restricting their movement. And if you're a normal person, normal member of the public, you're probably not going to be pleased. If you're then a criminal, you're going to be especially angry at that because you don't want this copper to disrupt the way that you're living your life, you know? whether it's necessity or whether you're making earnings or whatever else through your criminality, that's what the cop is doing, stopping you from doing the stuff you're, you're doing. And handcuffs is a necessary aspect of that. Sure. So if we're saying that it's something that is necessary, mm-hmm. right? I, mm-hmm. I do remember the new the acronym um, plan that we were all taught. I don't know if you were taught it. I definitely was taught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah I no, and I still it. teach it. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Remind yeah. me, though, just in <laughs> case my memory gets a little bit, you know, I'm old now. Plan, mm-hmm. which stands for proportionate, legal, accountable, necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it comes to anything we do, pretty much. And that's what I always used to run through my mind before I did anything. Mm -hmm. You know, can I justify what I'm doing? Is it really necessary? Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously I would try my best to not use handcuffs. But there's multiple factors that go in the decision-making process, right? Whether or not to cuff or not to cuff or how you're going to interact or communicate or even deal with somebody. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, You know, part of your um, plan aspect, plan mnemonic, right? is mm-hmm. proportionality, legality, accountability, necessity, yeah, sure. But that that comes from the Human Rights Act element, okay? Mm-hmm. So we have to consider a number of different things. So not only are we looking at the Human Rights Act, not only are we looking at plan and what that means, not only are we looking at our own internal powers and policies, but we're having to look at the situation. So it's going to be almost impossible to say, yeah, handcuff everyone, because... As I said, people are different statures, people are different strengths, people are just completely different builds, there's different situations. Mm -hmm. You can arrest someone for, going back to the situation, a shoplifting. You know, a bog standard, you have nicked a steak from Iceland, okay? You've literally Mm -hmm. gone into the store, walked down to the the meat section, seen a a ribeye or a sirloin or a rump, whichever is your preference, right? Kind of looked around, not seen anyone else about got a nice big jacket on, slotted it into your jacket, 
walked past the till having made no attempts to pay. Hopefully that reminds you of some Hendon-style scenarios. And then you get <laughs> stopped outside of the store by the store detective, who's obviously accused you of shoplifting. And, you know, what risk does that person pose necessarily? They could be a drug user. They could be just wanting the state. They could be just a chancer. Never have, you know, never been arrested in their lives before. So do you handcuff those three types of people? I would suggest no. Um, you can also have different types of, you know, arrests. You can have arrests for murderers, for people that have committed GBHs, sexual offences, someone that has literally committed a driving offence. You know, you're not necessarily going to always get arrested for a driving offence, but you may do. So it's a completely different ball game. Different offences, different people, different powers and policies, different situations. And you cannot, in my um in kind of my experience, handcuff everyone because that's not right. And as you said, you can talk. Sure, if you're having a fight, roll around, not going to happen. Not going to happen easy. You could mm -hmm. still calm them down, but that's going to inform your decision-making process, right? So we, we, mm -hmm. we there's, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of some kind of technicality around that, right? So we still currently use what we call the national decision-making model. And with that, there's, there's like a, core central part to, to what we do that's around the code of ethics you know that's what we as police officers and some police staff do abide by right and there's it's kind of a central piece to it from that you know integrity is serving the public making sure that we act with honesty so on and so forth there are certain steps that we have to take and that's a process of thought as well as a process of what's in front of you so you're gathering intelligence or information at the very start what you're seeing what you're hearing what you're smelling what you're going through thoughts fears previous experiences then from that you you, you risk assess so you assess the threat that's in front of you um and you kind of develop what we call a working strategy so this person has been um said to us or the allegation has been that they have stolen something from this shop okay cool so our information is that We've got a person, we've got some allegation of theft, and we've got someone that's been detained for that specific allegation. All right, so we're like, okay, what do we do? Do we arrest? Do we let them go? Do we street bail? Do we, what do we do? Okay, so we get there, we're like, okay, what, we've got this, we speak to the person, so there's a bit more intel gathering, and now we have to consider our powers and policies. So are we, based on going to that place, speaking to the person, going to arrest them or not? That's what it comes down to, right? Nick them or not, or find out some more investigation or try and conduct more of an investigation. Then you identify from those powers and policies. So using Section 24 of PACE, you know, whether what we call ID cop plan applies, you know, you've got a, a, an allegation of crime and can we arrest them or is there another way? So we decide, we identify those options and contingencies. If we arrest them, take them back into custody. If we don't, we ask some further questions, can we get some further information from the store, whatever, contingencies. And then from that point, we just take some action, right? So decided we're going to arrest them. Okay, cool. Do we handcuff, right? This is the point. Are we, if they're violent prior to arrest, we're probably going to handcuff. If all of that's gone through our head, do we handcuff? A lot of shoplifters aren't going to be a risk of, of, of actual violence because a lot of people do it because it's an acquisitive crime because they need to do it, whether it's funding a drug habit, whether it's funding some other habit or whether it's just because they're hungry. 
you know all of these factors are are there but going back to the point i made if you handcuff someone it's very difficult for them to physically run away it's not impossible but it's difficult so this is where people justify it so jp has quite kindly discussed some of the considerations that officers make when handcuffing an individual and the justifications they may use but handcuffs come with risks and can lead to serious damage if they're not put on correctly so i've asked jp to expand a little on the actual act of handcuffing a suspect no, but there's obviously repercussions to being handcuffed and that's something um, we wrote a little bit about mm-hmm. in the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people reporting bruising and yeah. fractures and lacerations and then even nerve damage, things along those lines. Now, So firstly, just to say, I'm not an officer safety trainer specifically. Mm. So I just do my officer safety training from accredited officer safety trainers and they're, they're, they're fantastic. They're really good, really clear, really efficient, and they, they break everything down. So, you know, props to them. They are very good at their jobs. Um, what they do tell you is before you do that, you kind of have to decide what kind of handcuffing technique you're going to use. Front stack, rear stack, back to back for the, the, the person, for the situation. So you should be able to judge that. From that point, applying the handcuffs correctly, you are doing a couple of things. So even before you get to the adjustment bit, you're, you're checking for tightness. Check it, make sure it's correctly applied and don't remove them. If there is some issue in terms of because you were having to roll around, you could only get one handcuff up here, then one, one behind your back and it's in between your legs. You know, you did that to stop them from doing what they need to do at that particular stage. When you can then communicate with them, and again, it's a risk assessment, it's ongoing risk. You do not just take them off and go, don't worry about it, mate. You'll calm down now. We're just going to take them off so you can relax. No, you are saying to them, I understand you're uncomfortable. We are going to remove them. I'm going to give some clear instructions. If you step outside those clear instructions, we are going to have to get you to be more compliant. Okay? And what that means is we're going to communicate. We might have some pain compliance associated with that as well. Officers, really great officers that I've worked with, they're not putting handcuffs on to cause pain. That That is uh, it's to, to maintain safety. That is, mm-hmm. or has been, with the people I've worked with, their main reasons for using handcuffs. Their safety, yeah. so there's, there's a basic principle. You're safe, your colleague's safe, members of the public are safe, as well as then obviously the suspect or the person that's being handcuffed, in that order. Because if you're not safe, you can't then help your colleague who then can't help you and can't help other members of the public so it is used as a safety tool i've never used it to cause pain i I don't want to the thing is my job is my job if i'm having to arrest someone i'm having to arrest someone if i'm having to detain them i'm having to detain them if i'm using handcuffs to do that that's a tool that i'm using because i'm trying to reduce the element of risk towards me and therefore my colleague therefore members of the public so on and so forth every situation circumstance different yeah you know there's been there's been times when i haven't had to handcuff because the person's been completely compliant and again it's been a low level offense so Mm -hmm. it hasn't been necessary yeah um and there's been other times where you know it's definitely called for i'm not very uh, i'm not particularly big height wise whip wise kind of but not necessarily height wise right so i'm a little bit short Mm. And the whole sort of justification element, I think that if I needed to handcuff somebody, I probably could have handcuffed most people because a lot of them were bigger than me. Yeah. Um, the people I arrested, right? Yeah. So that's sort of 
in terms of my own protection and for my own safety it would have been quite an easy justification that actually for my own safety I needed to handcuff this person because if they were to become violent or aggressive mm-hmm. they could easily overpower me sure which was is the factual it's not me being sort of like you know um saying oh, women are weak or men are strong it's just no, it's no, just a fact of the matter right what sort of factors do you consider are the most pressing factors you consider when you're deciding to handcuff somebody so if i was to say gender isn't an issue that that wouldn't be true it it is because it's as you said gender is one of those things because it's a characteristic right so height is one build is one um race isn't by the way so that certainly is not something that comes into my mind when i'm handcuffing someone um but Mm -hmm. gender certainly is because dependent on the stature, um, and as you said, sometimes, not all, always, you know, I'm not the biggest bloke in the world, I'm not the tallest, I'm not the strongest, not the fastest, so on and so forth, I'm okay, but I can be taller and bigger or more muscular than another person. And through my experience, there has been, you know, smaller females that I've arrested. But for me, I am looking at the situation. I am not just looking at their gender. Um, it's a factor. Is this person going to be able to run away from me? Yes or no? That potentially is is going to be a yes. So do I need to handcuff? Maybe, maybe. So it's kind of like a half tick in a box. You know, do I feel personally threatened by them? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, half a tick, not a tick. The situation now, you know, what have they done? Have they stolen? Have they beaten someone up? Are they wanted? Um, and all of those factors, tick, 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 okay. So the handcuffs may need to be used. Alternatively, again, as you said, you can talk to someone, and because of the way you impose yourself, you know, whether you're assertive, whether you're authoritative, whether you're just a massive lump of a person, they're thinking, I'm not going to mess with that person. So to be fair, I'm just going to listen. But for me, personally, gender doesn't play the key role. It plays a role, but... That 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 can't be that can't be a point to handcuff someone or not to handcuff someone, just because you're a lady, just because you're a bloke. That's not to say, yeah, mate, because you're a, you're a lump, mate. You're a massive, massive bloke, and then this this teeny little firecracker of a lady is giving you absolute load of proverbials, right? So you're thinking, ah, she she needs to be cuffed because that's the only way to control her calm her down, get her into the back of a van. And that's the other factor. You're getting someone into a van, okay? Um, I'm going to escort you, uh, madam, into this lovely caged area. (laughs) Yeah, you're not, are you? So again, that's another factor of handcuffing. If you are nicking someone, arresting someone, you're having to get them somewhere they don't want to be. Think about that. You're forcing someone into somewhere they don't want to be. Handcuffs can be a tool to do that. Okay, so then you as a male, mm-hmm. um, do you think? Do you feel you ever have to think twice before cuffing a female? Um, like, no, do you do you worry that there might be some sort of repercussions, if, like as a male officer? Yeah. Because I said, me as a female, mm-hmm. I didn't have to consider that. I yeah. felt that you know, if I needed to, I could justify it. Yeah. Because I had my own, just you know. Yeah. But as a male officer, does mm-hmm. that cross your mind? It did. It did before. Um, but when you start getting experience and you can you can understand different processes because you know like with policing it's a very it's a it's a it's a long career or it can be a long career and then you learn how to justify whatever reasons you're going to handcuff someone 
So in the past, mm-hmm. I have thought of myself as a as a man. You know what I mean? All all the macho nonsense that comes with that. But as time goes by, I'm still a man, but I'm a man with a bit more knowledge and and with a bit more responsibility and with a bit more um, stuff to lose. You know, family, friends. I just like a lot of other people in this job should be coming back home safely. Okay, and if that's the decision of handcuffing a smaller woman because you've just seen something you've just heard something you've just got that information to go she has been violent you've conducted a name check and something's come back that's informed you she might run away or she might kick off she might have a knife or worse then you do it you err on the side of caution and that's where handcuffs should be used erring on the side of caution but backing that up with with actual reasons and not just as you said because it's a male because it's a female because it's this certain type of race that that should not form part of the only reasons that you handcuff they are apart from race they are factors but they're not the sole contributors to handcuffing someone okay now talking about um sort of considerations that you make i'll tell you a little story about this this one call i went to when i was um a response officer okay and um I remember going to this call and the guy who I was teamed up with, mm-hmm. he was like this big guy, really muscular. And we was in the police car and we got a call to this guy. I think he has returned back to his hostel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, there was a warrant out for him. Mm. And then going to that call, you know, we get background checks. So they tell you any sort of warning signs that there might be associated yep. to that person. And this guy had everything under the sun. Like I had, I didn't know the name. I had never met this guy before and he had every single type of warning that could possibly <laughs> be attributed to somebody. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, the guy I was with, he was like, Stella, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna arrest this guy. Right. You're gonna, you're gonna take him in. I was just like, okay. He's like, but before we go in, we're going to call for backup. Nice. Right. So there's me and the other guy, he, he was built. He's like probably similar figure to you, if not a little bit bigger. So he worked out, he was a physical fit guy and he was like, yeah, we need backup. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, okay, cool. So we called for another unit and we said, okay, we're going to arrest this guy. Um, it's likely he's going to kick off. So these, we were already mentally preparing mm-hmm. for there to be some sort of fight, some struggle. Yeah. And there's now four police officers have turned up to this one little hostel room. Mm-hmm. And I knocked on the door. I went in and the guy came up to like here it was like a tiny <laughs> tiny guy okay um when i when i say tiny he was probably like four foot nothing okay um really really slim yeah like quite quite skinny guy mm-hmm. and he was super quiet he was just like hi <laughs> i was like, <laughs> I was like yeah and, and there's just like the, the presence of like four officers and i was like the smallest one and i'm yeah. not a small person right and i'm mm-hmm. the smallest one there mm-hmm. and i was thinking oh my goodness this is complete overkill mm-hmm. but it's one of those precautions you take, right? Of course it is, yeah. And um, and he was super sweet, super <laughs> compliant, didn't argue with me, but he had such a huge rap sheet for attacking officers, mm-hmm. officers specifically, assault on officers, verbal yep. assault, physical assault. You know, he had arson, like loads of different things. Lovely um, character. GBH. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, in my mind, I was like, how is this little guy? Like, I, I don't get it. I was like, why have four of us turned up? It's not the size, Stelz. Well, hold on. Here we no. go again. It's not the size. Well, this is what I'm saying. Right. It's not necessary about that. You no. know, if I had come across this person, this mm-hmm. guy in the street, 
it wouldn't have necessarily crossed my mind to even cuff him at all. Of course not. But because he had a history and the fact that four officers had turned up to arrest this one person and I was sort of tasked to arrest him. Yeah. Um, I did. I did put handcuffs on him. Okay. Although he was compliant. Yeah. Although he was as sweet as pie to me and he didn't kick off mm -hmm. and it was just an arrest warrant out for him. Mm -hmm. I was just like, the fact that the other three officers who were all male, all bigger, yeah. were like, we need to be here for this. I was just like, well, I probably should cuff you. you know, it's still my decision. <laughs> I yeah, get yeah. that. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I'm 100% going to cuff you. Irrespective for the fact that he was a sweet, nice guy to me. Yeah. Two weeks later, he tried to burn down the hostel. But irrespective of okay. that, there he was go. a sweet guy to me. Yeah. That's not how you do a barbecue, you know? but yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's even things like that is a factor in the decision-making process. Of course it is. And from an outsider, I can imagine the members of the public could p view and perceive this whole situation as complete overkill sure. and completely not necessary. Like, why would you need four police officers mm -hmm. to arrest this one guy, you know, who's clearly, you know, not really causing a threat, not mm -hmm. causing in drama, mm -hmm. not shouting, and he's walking, and, then, and you put handcuffs on him? Mm-hmm. How, how can you justify that? And you can't really turn around and say to people, oh, listen, listen to the rap sheet. Listen to everything no, that he's done no, it's not for them in the to past know. 10 years. Of course you not. Know, it's not Confidential. Their, it's not for them. They're no. not privy to that, right? No, of course not. Um, and I was thinking the other day when I was typing out the blog and doing some research. And, you know, there's a lot of discussions around police brutality. Yeah. Around, you know, excessive use of force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I mentioned is that it's been talked about in the communities you know, across London, uh, you know, expressing the, you know, excessive mm -hmm. use mm -hmm. and the disproportionate use of force that um, police officers are now demonstrating. Yeah. And putting on handcuffs. Now, I don't think people consider being handcuffed an excessive use of force or police brutality. Mm -hmm. However, putting handcuffs on safely onto somebody who's being extremely violent and aggressive yeah. can be perceived as excessive use of force or police brutality. Because sometimes you need three or four officers <clears throat> to hold one person down to yeah. safely get those handcuffs on. Of course you do. So, but that is, that is leading up to the act of just trying to put handcuffs on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. So, so you're seeing that I don't know anybody, or I haven't asked anybody, or come across someone who's gone. Oh, you put handcuffs. You've handcuffed that person. It's police brutality. That's I mean, excessive police force. <sighs> it's the lead up to putting the handcuffs yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, which is the issue, right? Ex exactly. <laughs> it, like, like you said, it's there's so many different things to it. It's like a snapshot in time, isn't it? People get a snapshot, and unfortunately now because. There's mobile CCTV cameras everywhere, i.e. iPhones, smartphones, um, and any other brands associated with it. People will just show everything, but they won't film it from inside a police officer's head. They won't film you gathering that intelligence. They won't know your previous experience. They will just film an aspect of that. You know, as you said, mm -hmm. the bundle on top where there's three or four police officers trying to hold someone's legs down, trying to pull their arms apart, shouting at them you know in the middle of a street all of that isn't necessarily fun you know like none of us want to do that but we need to do it and we need to do it because we need to arrest someone and we need to control them and we need to stop them from doing what they're doing um so excessive force 
is for people to justify. You know, I don't believe in 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 my career. I have used excessive excessive force. I think I've used necessary force, and I've justified mm-hmm. the reasons to do that. <clears throat> I've done it better over the years because. I, I understand evidence better. I understand my thoughts and feelings better. I understand the situation a bit better. But but the overriding thing about excessive force is, is people's perception, isn't it? Because they only get one side of the story. It's not a 3D story, is it? Excessive force is just, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't believe you're handcuffing that 16-year-old. Leave him alone, you know? And I've had that. Yeah, I've handcuffed 16-year-olds. I've handcuffed 11-year-olds. I've handcuffed 70-year-olds. I've handcuffed a number of different ages. That... That doesn't matter to me necessarily, the age, the gender, far from it. And people would think, JP, why are you handcuffing a 70-year-old? That's a bit excessive, isn't it? Well, the use of the word excessive is is subjective to them, and it's very subjective when it comes down to using force with handcuffs. I sometimes fear that, that police officers, because I am a proud copper, right? I like the job, I really do. I'm, I'm, I tell people what I do. And it's all over anything that I do. Um, I wouldn't say it rules my life, but it takes a lot of my life. And if you care about something, you do it day to day. You you have you take that away at home. So if you have used, let's say, force on someone, it's not something you just brush off. By the way, you know whether it's handcuffs, whether it's back, whether it's parva, and whether or not it's even more, you know, lethal than that. And there's Plenty of colleagues I can tell you about that, that have gone through so many, um, you know, inquiries, inquests, and unfortunately immer- emotional turmoil because of the use of force. That's not handcuff specific. Um, it's different elements, but it's all the same thing. You are assaulting someone, lawfully assaulting someone, and that stays with you. It gets easier. You can justify it easier, but personally... Excessive force is a subjective thing that people only see a snapshot of. Here at Rita, where we are a tech-based company, and you know, and we're trying to discuss and identify ways where technology can be used for good, and how mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. maybe change the face, or not even necessarily change face, but improve the face of policing yeah. through technology. Yeah. So, when it comes to handcuffing, though, what what do you propose? Do you think there is even a way to do that? Well, there's a will and a computer. There's always a waste else, right? That's that's my motto. Well, it's not my motto. That's that's just me making it up as we go along. But there is something. It's not it's not the way to do it. It's not it's not the be all and then all. Because as I said, handcuffing is a personal thing. It's a risk element. But now there are national initiatives to record how we use handcuffs, when we use handcuffs, why we use handcuffs, and that all comes down to data. So it's a collection of data. Okay. And with what we're trying to achieve, and I'm not saying root aware is going to be the key factor to this, it's just some learning that we can take away, is all of this data is recorded and all of this data is then turned into some kind of analysis or you can an- analyse that data and there's trends that you can see. So that's our whole game. You know, our, our big machine learning piece is to analyse the trends and predict the trends, therefore prevent the trends. So if you get a collection of people handcuffing someone through just stop and search or at this time, this date, this season, that would be on the data sets. And those data sets can be useful, not just as a, well, we've handcuffed over the last three months, 17,000 people. Out of those 17,000 people, 35% were arrested. Yeah, sure, you can retrospectively look at that. But we're trying to do something different. You know, the access to the data is there. And 
what that tells us is are we over handcuffing a certain area um are we under handcuffing some someone or a set of people are we targeting a set of people and all of that provides learning you know it should say we're handcuffing predominantly uh, you know black males between the ages of 14 to 35 okay so why are we doing that so we need to look at that and are we going to be doing that over a set period of time what learning can we get not just giving the figures but having some training to it so as you said going back we can look at that not just from a retrospective aspect but to actually proactively go over the next six months based on the current data of handcuffing we assume or we predict that we will be handcuffing this group this amount of times why are we going to do that can we limit that can it be delivered through training can it be delivered through more handcuffing techniques can it be delivered to the community there's so many different things that could be done that's the technological link it's not that we're going to solve what you've called excessive force or necessary force or using handcuffs through technology but we can at least look at trends and we can at least then highlight any risk areas and hopefully find a way you know train people um, get communities involved um, talk debate and, and see how we can reduce it or get people to understand why we do it and why we will do it and why we'll continuously do it Stelz, thanks for the tough questions. Um, as always, I never enjoy our conversations. I hope some of our listeners certainly will take some of the things away. I really look forward to the other tougher questions because they seem to be getting tougher every single time. And um, I'm not sure I can prepare as well for the next time, but thank you. And I thank you for me for joining us today. And we hope that you enjoyed our podcast on the handcuffing and the use of force. Follow us on social media and read web for updates and join in the discussion.